0: Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. You may be seated. Such an honor to have you today on this great, really the greatest celebration in the history of the world. A lot of times in the church world, we refer this uh, as the Super Bowl Sunday, but the Super Bowl Sunday doesn't match anything compared to a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on. So we're just honored to be in the presence of Jesus, to be in his house. We're honored to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask for the next few minutes um, for your attention. I want to talk to you about the promise of Easter. Uh, in this Bible, there are 31,123 verses And in those 31,123 verses, there are 7,487 promises from God to man. That's why it's important to read the Bible. Uh, That's why it's important for us to come to the house of God so that we can know the promises that he has for us. Because whether you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior or not, I've got some very good news for you. Um, You are his son and you are his daughter. And there's nobody that loves you any more than God does. And so when we talk about the promises of God, the Bible says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. And so there are some promises that God has for you that you may not be aware of. And when we when we talk about Easter, when we talk about this resurrection weekend that we celebrate the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, uh, I think about the promises, and there are a lot of promises, but I just want to give you three quick ones. Number one, the promise of, a, of great love for you. The promise of Easter is the promise of great love for you. Again, a lot of scriptures here, but there's one on which really the entire Bible turns. And that is John the third chapter and the 16th verse. And there's people that don't even come to church that don't even know God, but they know this scripture. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But it doesn't just stop there. The Bible says, and if you would believe on him, you would not perish, but have everlasting life. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand how much God loves us because some of you sitting here this morning, honestly, were not loved well. You weren't loved well growing up. Maybe you, maybe you didn't have a father in your life or maybe you came from a lot of dysfunction. And so sometimes it's hard for us to understand love and we're trying to find love. Like we're on this search for love in our life. And, and, and we think that we'll find that in somebody that we marry. We think that we'll find that uh, in relationships. But because the Bible says God is love. And then God so loved us. He didn't just love us. He so loved us. That he gave his only begotten son. So that we could literally know not only the God of love but the God who is love. And so I just wanna tell you the best news I can tell you today. God doesn't just love you. He so loves you. He so loves you. The Bible goes on to say this in John the 15th chapter, greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And so when I was growing up, I had the privilege of being raised in church. And yet I had a father who didn't know Jesus. He took us to church, uh, was even on the board of a church at one time. I remember asking him when I was a, a little boy, like, why are you on the board of a church? Like, you don't actually know God. He goes, well, they like me. And I just thought that was really interesting because there's a lot of people that come to church. There's a lot of people that, that they're good people, but they don't realize like how much God really, really, really loves them. And it wasn't until my dad had a massive heart attack. He was 67 years of age. Now listen, we were in church every week. I grew up in church. But my dad would go to church and oftentimes he would fold his arms like this and and just close his eyes. I remember asking him one time like, dad, why do you you close your eyes when you go to church? He goes, well, I just, this is where I rest. I mean, he really worked hard. He was a Dallas policeman. He always had side hustles. Uh, I, I don't want you to be mad at me but HOAs are because of my father. (laughs) At our house in South Dallas, on 4416 West Clarendon, in Cockrell Hill to be specific, we're the reason for Texas state HOA laws. Because my dad had broken down cars everywhere. They were in the front of our house, they were in the driveway of our house. He was always underneath the car. And that's what he did. He, like on the side, he worked on cars. And then all of a sudden, later on, I go, oh, I know why, those HOA, oh, I know why there's HOA laws, man. I, I grew up, and I mean, neighbors complained. He had to just, it was crazy. But my dad went to church. I want you to really hear this. He went to church, but he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. You can go to church. You can hear about Jesus and yet not get a revelation of his love. And so when my dad was 67, he had a massive heart attack. I was in my early 30s. And I remember when the doctor came in and said to us, "It's it's very critical. They did a quadruple bypass on his heart. And the most critical part of heart surgery is when they get through with the heart surgery after they cut your chest open, pull your ribs back, operate on your heart. While they're operating on your heart, They actually have your heart on a heart beating machine. They have your lungs on a lung machine. And the most critical part of the surgery is not when the surgery is happening, but what happens after the surgery. Is your heart gonna work without the heart beating machine? Are your lungs gonna work without the lung machine? And for my dad, it didn't. They put him in, in fact, he was the only person on the floor of the heart transplant unit at Baylor Hospital. And I remember telling the doctor, I said, I'm going in there every hour on the hour to pray for my dad. He said, oh, no, you're not. So I looked at him. and I said, listen, here's what I want to tell you. Like, I'm going to go in there every hour on the hour, and I'm going to pray for my dad. And he said, okay, okay. So every hour on the hour, I would stand on my dad's, actually in the bed on his right, but I was standing on the left side of the bed facing. My brother would be on the right side of the bed. They had my dad's hands tied down, he was on this lung machine, on this heart beating machine. He couldn't speak. He had a, a, a breathing tube down his throat and he would just sit there. And so every hour on the hour I would go in there, I'd look my dad in the eye and go, dad, you're going to live and not die. We're praying for you. And he would, just, he would just look up at us, couldn't say anything. They had his hands tied down because they wanted him pulling his, the tubes all out. And so four days later, finally his heart worked. And the lungs worked. And they pulled that breathing tube out. And the first thing out of my dad's mouth at 67 after this massive heart attack and heart surgery was, God is real. God is real. And what my dad discovered in his worst of times, he actually had an out-of-body experience. Believe me, that's not my dad. He had an out-of-body experience and he met Jesus. And it was an amazing thing because he realized, hey, God is is real. And some of you don't know how, how real the love of God is. If you knew this, some of you are here today because it's Easter and we're so glad you're here. But man, my hope is that your takeaway will be that God so loves you. He doesn't love you because you're a good person. He doesn't love you, not love you, because you're a bad person. He doesn't love you because you've done more good than more right. He just loves you because he's God. And he cares so much about you. And the Bible says no height, nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things above the earth or under the earth could separate you from the love of God. It's so hard for people who don't, really open up their heart and mind to understand the love of God. And even though I was raised in church, um, I I can tell you that I had a little bit of the revelation of God. I believe that God loved me and I loved God. That's why we worship. That's why we started this service, worshiping God. People say, like, what are the chairs for? If you came in here, you stood for the first 20 minutes. Like, why are we standing up? When are we gonna sit down? What is this karaoke? Let me tell you what it is. We believe that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we stand in his presence and we honor him and we worship him because of who he is. And I don't know about you, but if you ever needed mercy from someone, I mean you did something bad, you did something, and you should, you, you shouldn't have gotten mercy and you got it. That's what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's his love. You don't deserve it. I don't I don't deserve it. The Bible says in John 1:17 that Jesus came in grace and truth. What does that mean? He came in the power of God to do things God's way so that we could live a truth-based life, not just a preferential life, not just our own truth. But the Bible says, "You will know the truth And the truth will set you free. There's a whole lot of people living their own truth and that's what's wrong with the world. They don't realize this is the only truth. This is the absolute truth. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. But so many people don't realize that. Therefore, they're not the beneficiaries of God's love. I'll never forget when my son was born, who you've met today already. He was up here and sitting on the front row. And I didn't know what to expect, but I was in that delivery room and I'll just say this. Uh, i had spent six weeks. I don't even know if they do this anymore. I would recommend you not do it. But we went to Lamaze classes. <laughs> like we, we went to classes so I could learn how to breathe and help Sheila learn how to breathe. And when she was going through this, this birthing experience, shh, 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 shh. I mean, we went through these classes. We sent the classes. She sat with me. We went through this whole thing. When we get in the delivery room, I'm ready, man. I'm Coach Keith. I'm like, okay, here we go. Okay, here we go, baby. You're about to have some contractions. Here we go. Let's breathe together. Here we go. She goes, I'm like three breaths in. She goes, I don't need you to do that. I go. Wait, baby, listen. They knew you were going to be in this state of mind, like out of your mind. That's why I'm here to coach you. Like, I'm here, I'm here to help you. I'm going to get you through this. Just breathe with me. Come on. You're having a contraction right now. She's holding her breath. I go, don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. You know, just breathe. She goes, I need you to do one thing. I go, okay. First of all, Nothing. But secondly, don't let me miss the epidural. That's your job. You tell the doctor, stay on it. You tell him, when it's time, don't, 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 don't get past the epidural. I said, okay, I got it, but let's breathe. No, I'm not going to breathe. She got the epidural. I mean, it was amazing. And she just held her breath through every contraction. She goes, let me know when the contractions coming. She goes, I go, baby, you're not supposed to. Let me cut you. All of a sudden, Josh starts springing forth from his mother's womb. I had never seen anything like this. I'd never experienced anything like this. And I'm telling you, he came out. He was the most beautiful cone-headed, gray-green baby I'd ever seen in my life. He looked a little alien, but I thought, we'll get past this. And they put a cap on his head and it looked like a conehead. Some of y'all remember Saturday Night Live years ago, the coneheads, Dan Aykroyd. I mean, that was right about the time Joshua was born. I go, man, I've got a conehead. We got to fix his head, but it'll be okay. But anyway, I'm having this experience with God because in a moment, in a moment, I had this emotion just come over me and I don't play with this. In fact, if you're from our church, you know, I'm not a prayer going, you know, God told me and God said, and God said, blah, 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 blah. Because guess what? This is God's word. He can speak to you. So when you're, when you're a preacher saying all the time, you know, God spoke to me and God said, blah, 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 blah. I'm just, t- anyway, okay, I won't even go there. But anyway, so, so, but that day, I literally, and I can't tell you I heard an audible voice, but it was so strong. Do you see what you're feeling? And out loud, I said, yes. And the doctor was sitting there working on Sheila, and she looked over her shoulder. I said, I'm talking to God. It's okay. I'm just bawling my eyes out. (laughs) And all of a sudden, here's what I heard. That's exactly how I feel about you every day. The way you feel about your son right now, that's how I feel about you every day. Some of us get married and we get disappointed quick. We thought it was going to be this way and it wasn't this way. It was like it was great until you put a ring on it and something changed. What in the world? But I'm telling you something, when kids come along, there's this love that you have that for many people you've never experienced before and no child can ever understand it until they become a parent themselves. They cannot understand No matter what that little sucker, disobedient, (laughs) idiot, sometimes kid does, you still love them. And you're going, please stop being an idiot. You have a great future and a great life. Just make some good choices. That's how God is with us. He's going, look, I love you. Quit messing it up. All right. How many of you are pet lovers? Let me ask a different question. How many of you are dog lovers? I had a dog. My last dog was my last dog. You know why my last dog was my last dog? Because nobody can replace London. London, my bulldog. If I start talking about him, I start crying. But here's the fact. Some of you can only understand some, just a microcosm of the depth of God's love, because you know how much you love your dog. Some of you love your dog more than you love people. Oh, I know. No, I know. Watch this. Georgie, 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 Ingenio, no son <risa> see some of you don't know here's what the Bible said Jesus came to seek and save the lost some of you don't know you're lost you see until you invite Jesus to come into your heart your spirit is not awakened. What's gonna live eternally is your spirit. In fact, if you're married, the person that you're sitting next to, what you're really attracted to is their spirit. Oftentimes we don't understand that, but it's the spirit of people that connects us with people. It's the spirit of God that connects us with God. So the promise of Easter is God's great love for you that you don't deserve that I don't deserve. But God describes it this way. He came in grace to give you power to live like this Bible says, because you need his power to be able to do it. But watch this. He also came to give mercy. You know what grace is? Grace is God giving you more than you deserve. In fact, the life you got right now is more than you deserve. It's more than I deserve. But the mercy of God The love of God, the compassion of God, is he doesn't give you what you do deserve. And if you've ever been in that place where you needed mercy, then you have a little bit of an understanding of how much God loves you and that there's nothing that could separate you from the love that he has for you. The second thing about the promise of God is that God has a great plan for your life. God has a great plan for your life. I'll just simply say this. God has a plan and the devil has a plan. And whether you believe in God or not, let me just tell you this. God has a plan for your life. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you to give you a future, a hope and an expected end. In other words, I want you to win. I want you to win in every area of your life. I have a plan for you to win in life. I have a plan for you to succeed. I have a plan for your dreams to come true. I'm the one that's given you your brain. I've given you your heart. I've given you your body. I've given you your life. Your life is a gift from God. What you do with it is your gift back to him. God has a plan, and whether you realize it or not, until you fully surrender your heart and your mind and your life to God, you never find out the plan that He has for you. I want to say that when I was a little boy, some of you know this story, but there's others that don't, but I suffocated to death in a plastic bag. Without going into the long details of the story, I was dead for over an hour. I had a mamaw who just continued to pray. After E.R. Kaufman, the head fireman that showed up because the ambulance had a flat on the way. But after pronouncing me dead and putting a sheet over me, I had a mamaw who kept praying. God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you can raise my grandson, you can raise this boy from the dead. And she kept praying when everybody else had given up when they pronounced me dead. And in just a few minutes, as she continued to pray and continued to believe, while they started to fill out the paperwork, all of a sudden, the sheet blew off of me that they'd covered me. My eyes popped open. I came back to life, and my mamma started doing this. I mean, she's just worshiping God. She's like, yes! Because God gave me life. At 62 years of age, can I tell you, there's hardly a day that goes by that I don't realize This life is a gift that God gave me. I don't even deserve to be alive. I don't know how you feel about you, but sometimes we're so head down, butt up. We're so in the struggle of life. We don't realize that we've been given the gift of life. And not only that, but then when I was 59, you know, my life was good, man. I've been in shape my whole life. I've been working out since I was 15. All of a sudden I'm in Florida. I get through with a workout and I'm feeling great until I'm not feeling great. And I get out of the shower on Father's Day weekend, 2019, and Sheila and I were going to go out on a date, and then I was going to come back here and preach on Father's Day weekend. And I told her, I said, something's not right. I don't know what it is. I've never felt this before. I said, but just give me a minute. And I, after I took a shower, I was still sweating. I'm going, what in the world? So I said, give me a minute. But that minute turned into an hour, and I felt like, like I felt like there was an elephant sitting on my chest. I was lying on the bed going, what is going on? She goes, are you a cast? I don't think so, but... So I, I did everything. I tried to make myself throw up. I tried to, why, why, why was I doing that? Because I felt like just, I was clogged up, like something was happening. Something needed to be unlocked. Like I was, I was doing everything I could. Finally, after about two hours, she said, we need to go to the hospital. I, I looked this up. I think you're having a heart attack. I go, baby, don't say that. I said, I just got a little pain going. She goes, so she called the emergency, said, yeah, bring him in. So it was about a 30-minute drive. Well, halfway there, and I hope you never experienced this. In fact, I hope that you just go ahead and die. (laughs) That you don't have to experience what I felt when I was alive. I felt everything stop. None of us think right now about our heart beating. None of us think about our blood flowing. We're driving along and we're about halfway there and I felt it, I felt it literally stop on the inside. I started moving, just like to check myself. Sheila goes, are you okay? I didn't say this to her, but I, but I, here's the thought I had. This is what it feels like to die. Like I felt myself dying with my eyes open. And I said, I just need you to get me there. Well, she's already a crazy driver, but she started really driving crazy then. She, Thank God, hallelujah. So we get there, I walk in, long story short, they do the EKG, they said, they, the nurse runs out of the room, she almost knocks herself out, hits the wall, Doctor comes back in, gets right in my face and said, you're having a massive heart attack. We're taking it to surgery right now. I go, I go, no, 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 listen, listen, wait. I have a little bit of chest pain, but I said, I'm not having a heart attack. He said, you have a 100% blockage. There is no blood going to your heart right now. He said, I don't even know how you're alive. They rush me down the hall. They're pushing me down the hall little precious Sheila goes, hey, can y'all stop for a minute? I want to take a picture for my kids. That's what I love about her. Most women be going, oh God, oh God, help us. She's like, hey, 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 y'all stop a minute. I just want to take a picture. So I went, love y'all. Here we go. She's always been my peace, man. She's always been my peace. She believes all the way. Long story short, I go in there. It's a 45 minute. I said, it's going to probably be a couple of hours. They kept me awake, even though I was sedated, because he said, I need to know when we've got it. And I was literally on the operating table and I went, ah. he goes, we got it. It opened up. I felt it. I felt everything open up. Like I took a big breath. I felt so great. I felt totally normal for the first time in hours. They put me back in ICU, I'm laying there, they're hooking, they're, they're stick. I go, hey, hey, wait, 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 listen. I feel great, we're good. Whatever y'all did, it fixed it. I've got to preach on Sunday, I need to leave. The doctor goes, oh, no, 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 you're not leaving. He said, when somebody experiences what you've experienced, he said, usually there's heart damage, there's kidney disease, there's, all, or there's kidney failure, there's all kinds of things that have happened. And so here's what he said. He said, we've got to keep you here for at least three days and monitor you. A day and a half later on Father's Day 2019, the doctor walked in, he said, I've been doing this for 30 years and I've seen two miracles and you're both of them. He said, first of all, you walked in here with 100% blockage. He said, the second thing is you're walking out of ICU today and that never happens. We usually take people from ICU to another room and we observe them. Today, you're just gonna walk out with your family. You're ready to go. Go ahead and leave. Now, here's what I'm gonna tell you. All during that time, my thought was, God, you have a great plan for my life. And if it's over, it's over. But I just don't believe it is. I don't believe it is. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what your life looks like today. But here's what I can tell you. The promise of Easter is God has a great plan for your life. And nothing can stop it. Listen, somebody needs to hear this today. The Bible says, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? You know why? Because death is just a step into eternity. And some of us fear death so much. We fear stuff so much. We have been for the last two years in our country and around the world. There's been so much fear that's been released. And can I tell you, when you are in Christ and you know he has a plan for your life, you can live fearless. You can live with faith. You can know that God is on your side. And it doesn't mean bad stuff is not going to happen. But it's not over until he says it's over. Your life is not over until he says it's over. And here's the last thing. The promise of Easter, listen, is that he has a great future for you. I want to give you some great news. God says, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have towards you to give you a future, to give you a hope. I don't know how long you have. I don't know how long I have, but let's live today not only like it's our last, but like it's a gift that God has given us. This morning, uh, we had the privilege of having two of our grandchildren stay with us last night. And I was just waking up, and both of them came and crawled in bed with me. And they're laying there, and I'm just thinking, God, this is like heaven on earth, just right here. And I stayed there 30 minutes. I just took a minute, y'all, and just said, Thank you, God, for love on my left and love on my right. And God, thank you for Livy Lovey and thank you for Layla Shayla. And we were just loving on each other till I was almost late here, y'all. Because I was just seizing a moment. Can I tell you something? God has a great future for you. When does the future start? Futurists tell us in five seconds. How long does the present last? It lasts five seconds and then you're into the future. That's why in your present, you've got about five seconds to make a decision that may just determine the future for the rest of your life. When does the future start? The future starts every five seconds with every decision that you make. And you can keep dragging your past into the future. You can keep focusing on what's happened in your past. Or you can say, you know what? God loves me. The promise of Easter, he has a plan for my life. The promise of Easter is he has a great future for me. And I wanna tell you this as I close. In World War II, there was a great art collector. In fact, he was one of the most famous art collectors in the world at that time. The Nazi regime was rolling through Europe and there was a little country called Austria, some of you will remember this, but where actually Hitler would set up his beachhead and uh, set up his headquarters. And so in this little town was this very famous artist and he had a son and his son came to him and his son said, dad, I feel like I need to fight against the resistance. He said, Son, listen, your mom just passed away. His wife had just passed away within the last six months. He said, You're my only son. He said, I know, Dad, but I've got to do this. I've got to fight. His father blessed him to go do that. And about three months later, his worst fears came true as he heard a knock on his door. He went to the door, and there was a young soldier standing there that took his cap off. And he said, I'm so sorry. Immediately the father began to weep. He said, I wanted to be the one to come tell you this because your son was my best friend. He said, Your son not only died in battle, but he he took a bullet for me. What should have been for me, he took the bullet for me. And so he said, I've got something for you. And out from under his arm, he pulled a, a, a rolled-up piece of canvas and he opened it up and he said, I know you're a great art collector, and you and your son both, you did this together but I'm like a novice artist and I actually did a portrait of your son. And as he opened up that canvas, he looked at it and the old man was just, just couldn't believe how how this young artist, this young soldier had captured the image of his son perfectly. He immediately went to his mantle and he took down a Rembrandt and put his son's picture up, but it wasn't but about a couple of months later that the old man died. Long story short, the art world gathered in Austria. And when they did, they gathered because this man's collection was so great. And the auctioneer stood up and he said, there's one order of business we need to take care of. And on this tripod, there was this picture that had a blanket over it. He pulled the blanket off and said, this is a picture of the old man's son. And he said, the first order of business is we've got, to, we've got to auction this off. And so everybody kind of looked at each other and there were just whispers and murmurs in the crowd. And somebody said, we don't care about that. We want the Rembrandts, we want the Raphaels, we want the Picasso's, we're, we're not here for that. And he said, this is the first order of business. We've got to, we've got to sell this, this picture of this man's son. And again, people just grumbling and murmuring. And finally, an old man in the back, very old man, raised his hand. And he said, I was here just to really honor the family. I was the family's gardener. He said, I knew the old man. I knew his son. And he said, I've got $30. That's all I've got. And he said, I'd like to to bid on the painting of the sun. The auctioneer looked around and he said, are there any other bids going once? Any other bids going twice? Any other bids sold? And then while people gave a golf clap, let's get on with it. The next thing the auctioneer said was, auction closed. You see, according to the man's will, he who takes the picture of the sun gets it all. Gets it all. And can I just tell you, that on this weekend, the person who chooses Jesus Christ, you see, Jesus, you saw it depicted. He was, he was between two thieves. And these thieves were actually having a conversation with each other across from Jesus. The one thief, the one criminal on the one side was saying, was saying, Hey, if you really are the son of God, why don't you, why don't you get yourself off the cross? And while you're at it, Luke 23 says, get us off the cross as well. This other criminal on the other side, they're talking across Jesus. Jesus is in the middle. This conversation is recorded in the Bible. He says, don't you have any honor and fear of God? This man has done nothing. We deserve what we're getting. And then he focused not on the other criminal. He focused on Jesus. And according to Luke, the 23rd chapter, he said, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, you will be with me today in paradise. You see, God has a plan for your life. And Jesus, even now, over 2,000 years later. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. Watch this. Making intercession for us. What does that mean? In this room, there are unbelievers and there are believers. There are people who know about God, but they don't have a relationship with God. There are people that are wondering about God, and then there's people who've settled that question. And between those two paradoxical realities is Jesus on the cross Who God said, I so love you, I've sent my son to die on a cross for your sins. But you are the one that has to believe that he is who he said he was, who he said he is, and who God says he is. I'm going to ask you to bow your head if you would just for a second all over this place. Just please no talking or moving around just for a second. I want to give you an opportunity like those two criminals had on the cross. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, what God wants for us. But the Bible says if we'll confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we'll be saved. To be saved means to be saved from yourself, to be saved from the devil, to be saved from your sin. But you have to realize that you need to be saved. You have to realize that what you believe is more important than what anybody else will ever tell you. He's not your mama's God. He's not your daddy's God. He's got to be your God. And if you're hearing you say, my life is not right with Jesus, it doesn't matter if you've made a decision for God in the past or you've never made a decision for Jesus. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you choose. So I'm going to invite you right now. If you're here and you say, Keith, I need to get some things right with God. We're not asking you to join our church. We're not asking this to embarrass you. But you're here and you say, I need to get my life right with Jesus. Every head's bowed. Every eye's closed. If that's you, on the count of three, slip up your hand. And I'm going to have the privilege to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to lead you in this prayer. And if that's you, on the count of three, slip up your hand. One, two, three. Come on, all over this place, just lift it up and say, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Yes, I see your hand. Anybody else? Yes, I see your hand. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I need to get my life right with Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask you to put your hands down, and I'm going to ask everybody here just to pray this prayer with me. And you don't need to say it loudly, but I'm going to ask you to say it out loud. The Bible says, again, if you'll confess with your mouth, if you'll believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you will be saved. God will forgive your sins. God will have a plan that will immediately be activated for your life starting right now. And God has a great plan for your future. And someday you'll spend eternity in heaven with God. This life will be over. It will soon be past. What we do for Jesus is the only thing that matters and lasts. So if you're here, whether you raise your hand or not, I'm going to invite everybody here to pray this with me. Just say this out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me, wash me, make me clean. I give you my life, my past, my present, and my future. Jesus, be my Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me and thank you for forgiving my sins in Jesus' name. Let's give all those people that made that decision for Jesus a big hand. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to lvlive forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.